You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. Good morning, everybody. A welcome on this beautiful, sunny morning here in Hobart. Live from Salamanca for Amy, the doers of insurance and Harrison agents, Tasmanian real estate experts. And we're live on SEN Tassie, across Tasmania, and the SEN app. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Flash. Little strains of here comes the sun. and Well, it's like a new dawn here in Hobart because not only is the sun out, but Gillen McLaughlin would have had a beautiful night's sleep in some sort of luxurious Hobart hotel room last night. Oh, yeah. Now, where was he staying, please? Oh, well, where would you stay if you could pick, pick the bunch? Mac 1 over there or maybe imagine. some sort of... Luxury Airbnb yes. arrangement, but um, let's hope he's woken up on the right side of the bed because it could be a monumental day. Well, we're standing by, ladies and gentlemen, sports fans right across Tasmania. Is today the day that we find out that Tasmania is going to have their own AFL team? It's quite, um, you know, we've been banging on about it, especially in 2022, haven't we? It's been a... 2022, cons- we've been banging on it. Oh, for 35 for years. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, the ups and downs of this year's, the um, the Tom Browns in the middle of it saying, you know, it was it's just never happening. It's not happening. And everything in between. And Gil popping down to um, Tassie. And he was again there yesterday. And your your uh, man at Win TV, Brent Costello, was front and centre there and had some good words. We're going to talk to Brent later in the hour, which will be good. Yeah, certainly nothing from uh, Brent's little airport doorstop with Gil that suggested he's bringing bad news to town. He um, had an air of uh, confidence about him, but let's see how many caveats are on the announcement today because my gut says he's going to deliver good news, but there might be a but flash. Well, let's let's just go and have a listen to the audio that we've got there with Gil McLaughlin speaking with Brent at the airport yesterday and see what you can glean from this little minute 30 or thereabouts of from the from the cocker, the cocker of the AFL, of course, Gil McLaughlin yesterday arriving at Hobart Airport. Welcome back to Tassie. Thank you, Wayne. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Will you be willing to grant Tasmania an AFL licence without stadium funding being locked in? I think we've just been... Uh... Uh, clear that the, the, we're working with it and we're trying to land the whole package together and uh, we think the uh, stadium's an important piece and so um, um, you know, we've got lots to do which is working with clubs, state government uh, other parties around the, around the venue and all the other parts and hopefully we'll come together as one. 
could we see a provisional licence granted when you speak to us tomorrow? Uh, we're just going to have a, oh, well, you don't, we don't want to run ahead of the story, but we're going to be just talking about where we're at. It's more of, a, of an update and why and where we're at and um, have a sort of chance to talk about the progress that's been made. you confident things are on track though and going well? I think they are. I think we're not there, but uh, we've come a long way and sort of lay that out and talk to talk to the big picture and I think how, how close we are and how far we've come. What else are you up to while you're in Tassie? Oh, in and out. I've got uh, dinner tonight with the, the sign people at, uh, at Mona. Speak in the morning and back on the tools at home tomorrow afternoon, so I'll be a brief visit. So Brent Costello, just seeing if he could sneak in a game of golf or something this morning, maybe with Gil on the way. To catch, up for a, <laughs> catch up for a for quick a croissant or something. <laughs> Brent doesn't drink coffee, so it no. would have to be a hot chocolate. Maybe uh, uh, Gil stayed at the, the Mona Pavilions last night. He could well have done it. Well, she might have put him up. Yes. Well, that, yeah, I think, I think what you said uh, a couple of minutes ago, there was nothing out of that that really oozed much negativity. No. So what's our timing on that today? You're going to have all the cameras in, left in Australia or in Tasmania at your um, disposal today, I would have thought. Yeah, there'll be plenty of interest from our affiliates, that's for sure. Now, timing-wise, he's appearing at a conference today. There's some great minds in town at this uh, conference, oh, yeah? Hearts and Minds. So he's, he's speaking at that, and then, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a... Um, uh, a little bit of a dance routine with him and the Premier, but we'll, we'll hear from him mid-morning, I think. And um, it'll be fascinating to know just uh, what he says, because the, the whisper is it is going to be a announcement that it is a provisional yes. But as I said before, what is the but? Is it the stadium? Is it having to prove up some other part of the business case? I don't think it'll be the greenest of green lights today. But I reckon we'll have something to celebrate by the end of the day. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it, to see what happens. Look, it's... Um, and I think that that question you asked about the green lights and the provisional licence pending um, the stadium still, the, the topic that's right at the, the top of the list. I noticed yesterday, you know, great um, Tasmanian writer Martin Flanagan coming out... Um, dead against... The Richard, I think, Richard, his brother. Excuse me, Richard Flanagan and... Both of them good men, by the way. Oh, very, very uh, talented family, that one. Very much so. Um, very much dead against, and again, can't understand why we need a stadium, um, which it, which has become a very common thread, and it, it's a common thread right across the board. My 83-year-old father would say, why the hell? Staunch liberal, by the way, one of the old country liberals, my old man. Why the hell would you want to put a, spend all that money on a new stadium? He doesn't understand it. Yeah. And I kept saying, well, so, well, Dad, you don't want me to pick you up, obviously, and take you to the footy. When I said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course I'll go to the footy. Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. But there is that common, and I, and I use my old man as a reference point, that it is a lot of people don't understand it. They say, well, we've got a perfectly good one over the river. Why do we need another one? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's divided the community. And Big of course, time, um, it has. You know, people who are, are using it to make political points, and some of them very valid, some of them yep. very valid about our priorities and that sort of thing. And Some of them not. And some of them not so. Um, but that concept is very much in its infancy. I mean, it's just an idea, really. It is. Uh, there's a lot that has to uh, go under the bridge. Um, someone said, do we even know we can build a stadium down there? But anyway, whatever uh, you think about it, I think it yes. is going to be part of the puzzle today. Now, whether it's... Okay, you have to build it eventually, or sure. we need the first sod turn by this date. Yes, I have no idea what the caveat might be, but we do know that 
Gill there wants, will be a but. Gill wants a commitment to a new stadium. I don't think he sees Bill Reeve Oval as part of the Tassie team's long-term future. And I don't want to side with Gill, but I couldn't agree with him more on that great topic. place to watch cricket, Flash. Fantastic cricket place. I was there yesterday. It was great. Just never, ever, ever had a footy feel. We'll keep moving. We've got a big show today, AJ. Huge. Simon Brookhouse is coming up after the next break. We're going to talk about the Jack Jumpers who've been on a spell. They've got New Zealand tonight in Launceston, heading up for that one, which will be exciting. We're going to talk to Brent Costello uh, just before 8 o'clock. Uh, after the 8 o'clock news, we've got Tasmanian under-18s coach Jeremy Weberly talking about the young talent with the draft not far away and former Australian champion Tasmanian off-spinner Xavier Doty to join us later in the second hour. We're going to catch a break now. Huge show. Stay with us. It's a beautiful morning here in Hobart. David Lithgow and Alex Johnson bringing you in on a Friday morning. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow. Uh, yes, some Luca Brasi Jack Jumpers brought to you by Taz Racing. Subscribe to Form Plus Pro by Taz Racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form site today. Form Plus Pro by Taz Racing. Good morning to wherever you are listening. And now we're going to head to the boss of the Jack Jumpers. Good morning, Simon Brookhouse. How are you going? Good morning, gents. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And your good self. You've had a, a little break. Well, certainly the team has the last... Eight or nine days. I I was going to suggest how prosperous it's been, and then I saw the fact that two starters are out, and there's been a few niggles over the time. You've had a bit of a challenging week or so. A couple coming back, and two or three missing out. Simon. Yeah, look, it's been one of those weeks. Unfortunately, you, you know, professional sport injuries happen, and we've we've just had a couple of minor ones come through over the last three or four days, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple of guys are going to miss tonight's game, but we've got a couple coming back in. So, you know, one thing that I think that's great about our team is that that next man up mentality, I'm sure that uh, all of the players will fill the void and we'll be fine. No doubt about that. Depth has been something which has looked really good in 2022. Uh, I think we're a tick over a year since Will Magne played his um, last game for the Jack Jumpers. That must be terribly exciting to get your centrepiece big man back in the fray. Oh, look, it's very exciting. It's it's exciting for him. It's exciting for the whole team. He's been working so hard to come back. And um, now the time's right. He's been training really well and he's raring to go. So we're looking forward to seeing what he can do tonight. Simon, Alex Johnston here. Lovely to hear your voice. Um, How are you, AJ? I've, I'm very well, thank you. It's a special feeling around Hobart this morning and it's not just because of the sun, but um, um, there would have been a few nerves at zero and three, but um, now the dust has settled. You must be very proud of what you were able to do in the off season, uh, bringing in um, two very exciting uh, recruit well, um, imports. Yeah, very much so. I think the the great part about Milton and, and Rashad is just they've fitted in so seamlessly into the the way we play, and um, their effort uh, can't be questioned. And They've both really exceeded expectations early on in the year. And yet, you know, at Norton 3, obviously, we weren't panicking at all. But, it, uh, you know, if it had gotten a little bit worse than that, it just makes it uh, tougher back end of the season. So we're very happy to be where we are at the moment. It's, it's such an even competition. And you just have to turn up every day and bring your best and hopefully win as many games as we can. 
Well, you talk about that last night's results. Evident, um, of course, Adelaide defeating Melbourne in Melbourne, 91-86. And the Wildcats getting back on track on the back of a, a big cotton game. And former U North Carolina star, Manic, stepped up as well. He's shown a bit of form of recent times. And I, 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 I listen to what you just said about this even competition. Um, it is so even this year. I mean, maybe we've got Sydney potentially as a standout team, but... You can almost cast a net over the next seven or eight sides. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know it's just a, a testament to the talent in the league and the, the the ability and the quality of the coaching and the players that we have. And you know, as I said, I think every day you step on the court, you you've got to bring your best to your A game, otherwise you'll get beaten. So um, every team's fighting for those final six spots come the end of the season, and we're certainly in the mix. And so are, as you say, you know, probably nine other teams, with the exception of maybe Illawarra, who've been struggling, but. There's no doubt that they'll bounce back as well and be very competitive towards the end of the year. New Zealand tonight, um, a, a fascinating team. They're very defensively minded, um, very stout, and uh, you've already seen them this year. What, what's, uh, what's the thought process with the Kiwis coming into Launceston? Oh, look, they're a very good side. And, uh, you know, talking to Scott, the coach, he thinks they're probably the best side in the competition in terms of the way they've had the ability to spread the floor they're defensively very, very strong. They've got three great imports backed up with um, local talent. And, you know, it's it's going to be a very tough game. They're, they're playing great basketball. They're playing for each other. Um, and, you know, they, they play very much the way we do. They're, they play as a team. There's no individual efforts. And you've just got to, you know, match up really well. And we have to defend the best we possibly can. And at our best defensive effort, I think, you know, we've got a really good chance of winning. But um, make no mistake, they're a very, very talented basketball side. Simon, the, the town's fallen in love with the team and uh, showing no sign of uh, getting a hold anytime soon. Um, I remember uh, having a, a coffee with you and we were pondering what it all might look like. When you see a packed house out there at the nest, how does it make you feel for someone who's been there from day one? Oh, look, it makes you feel very proud. I mean, I think that the great part about it is that, you know, the Tasmanian people have embraced their team and, and that's that for us is the most important thing that the work we did before we even started once we'd recruited players and got out in the communities paid off and people have just absolutely got behind us and voted with their feet our membership uh, no with their feet sorry our membership are at really high levels and, and as you know we, we, we turn out a full house every game and um, that adds to the that adds to the team's success I mean but they are our sort of six man the crowd and when they're up and about it it makes the players feel a lot better and, and they, they rise to the occasion so in terms of the club, I mean, we couldn't be more thankful of the support that we've been able to get throughout the whole of the state. And I think that, you know, not even that, it's with our partners and everything else being mainly Tasmanian. And I just think that um, it's a testament to the people of Tasmania you've got behind us. And with that success in mind, I'm sure you won't uh, divulge any uh, private conversations. But given the success you've had, and we were talking this morning about Gillan McLaughlin being in town, have... People from other sports, in particular Australian rules, come to you and pick your brain about uh, the lay of the land here in Tasmania? Oh, we've, I, I've had some discussions with people from the AFL, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm a big supporter of it. I think any, any chance you get to have an elite sport and, at a national level in your state and, and have the whole state behind you, it's a great thing. And more importantly, it gives young Tasmanian sport to aspire to. And I think that, um, you know, I'm sure and I wish them every bit of success and I have no doubt the Tasmanian AFL and sporting community will get right behind the team when it comes in. What's your thought, Price? Have you had a, allowed yourself to 
diverse into Gil McLaughlin in town today and the potential announcement. I mean, it is such a relevant thing for all Tasmanians. Um, are you feeling like the the rest of us that um, looks like a fait complete, perhaps, and a, a team's coming to town not too distant future? Oh, look, I think there's no doubt all the, all the commentary around has been very positive. There certainly hasn't been any negative sediment coming from the AFL. Um, it, it's hard to know what today's about from my point of view. I haven't delved into it too much, but obviously Gil's here and um, talking positively about the possibility of a licence being issued. And I think, as AJ said earlier, there might be some conditions attached to that, but I don't believe anything will be insurmountable if the, the whole state get behind the team. And You know, uh, eventually when it all gets up and running, hopefully they have great success. Simon, we saw a good example in the league this week of the power of sport. Isaac Humphreys making um, a pretty powerful announcement that um, extremely he's, powerful. Yeah, yeah, that he's he's finally comfortable to come out as a gay man, and and it's very rare in elite sport. You know, in other parts of our um, community, it doesn't happen. It, it, well, yeah, almost, and, and, and it's an indictment on on maybe all of us that it doesn't happen more often, but. What were your uh, reflections on that? And it, it, to me, it's a sign of the health of the NBL that they would embrace a person like that and what he had to say like they did. Yeah, look, I thought it was amazing. And, uh, you know, Isaac Humphries is a fantastic human being and, and for him to be comfortable um, to do what he's done, uh, as you say, it is a testament not only to, to Melbourne United, which is a great club, a very inclusive club and always has been, but also to the league that, that he thought that um, it would well and truly be accepted as it should be, but as you say, it doesn't happen very often. So I think from a basketball perspective, not just um, Isaac Humphrey's perspective, I just think it's a great message from our sport that, that we are inclusive and uh, you can feel very comfortable in who you are at any time. And uh, he's done an amazing thing. He's an amazing basketballer. And, um, you know, now that he feels really comfortable to, to talk about his personal life, which he hasn't necessarily done before, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud as, a, as, a, as an NBL team and part, part and parcel of the competition. Um, I just think our whole sport should, is, is better for it, which is fantastic. Yeah, very vulnerable, wasn't he? Very um, personal, and you, you still hear the people, oh, well, why does he have to do that? We don't care, well, you know, what he is and what... Well, the, put yourself it, in the it, shoes. Put yourself in the... That's right. Someone in, who is in the same position, wants to oh, be an elite athlete. Oh, and my gosh. Is great. It would have been in the a, most... In a male testosterone yeah. environment... To see him speak like that, if you're a young gay sports Fantastic. person, it would have just given you the confidence to move forward. No, it's very important. Tonight's but, big, Simon. Tonight's big. I, I, you, we talked about even and, you know, these eight-point games in, in footy terminology, so to speak. Um, we, we know we're talking about the round ball and our, our game basketball. But, you know, you look at that ladder now, Sydney the standout. New Zealand is second with, with six wins and three losses. Then you can go right down to Brisbane, who are ninth with three wins and five losses. They've won their last three and starting to roll. Baines clicking, etc. The team starting to look good and so be back healthy. These games are massive tonight. I, I can't put an understatement on that. Every game's massive. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, you've got to keep winning to, to keep yourself a chance to be playing finals. So for us, um, you know, we, we only look one game ahead. The game we're worried about tonight's New Zealand and for us, it's, 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 you know, every game's a final moving forward. We've got to win them, and you, you want to be there in the postseason. No doubt about that. One last question from Sam McDaniel. Does he roll into that starting line for Kenyon? What's the, what, what's the shift there? Is it a like-for-like like or a, a rolling with Kelly comes into the starting lineup, perhaps for tonight? 
Yeah, look, I'm actually not sure. I haven't spoken to the coach about that. That'll be a decision they make after some practice today um, and, and when they analyse the matchups with New Zealand. And, and the one thing about our team is that I think everybody sees it, no matter whether you're number one or 11 on the bench, ultimately, you know, if you're called, called to step up, you do it and you play the best you possibly can. So no matter who it is, I'm, they'll fill the void and we'll be raring to go and hopefully come away with a win tonight. Simon, all the very best tonight. I look forward to catching up with you in Launceston. The vibe in Launceston will be exciting today, that one of their two games they get. Uh, packed house, of course. You're, you're happy with how the, the northern end of the the deal's going? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, the Launceston people and the people who come down from the northwest have been great supporters and we'll have a fantastic full house tonight who no doubt will get behind the team. CEO of the Jack Jumper, Simon Booker, thanks so much for joining us this morning, mate. We'll catch you in Launceston. Anytime, men. See you tonight. Take care, Simon. Yeah, that's that's a monster. That's a monster game tonight. They, uh, it's such an even competition. The people at Launceston uh, will come out in force. It's amazing. Every game I go to, obviously calling the games in Hobart, the amount of people I see from Launceston every week, like people that just they travel. They just travel for the regular games. They come from Burnie and Devonport to Hobart, a bit closer to home tonight, the Silverdome. Yeah, there's been nothing tokenistic about the way the Jack, Jack Jumpers have embraced the no. north of the state, and that was going to be the biggest hurdle to get over. And just like you, we both uh, went to school in the north, and and my old school friends, they come down to the games. They, they the kids go to the clinics. They have fully embraced the Jack Jumpers, even though the lion's share of games are played down here. It's been one of the most heartwarming things to see a team that genuinely has the love of the whole state because, as we've spoken about on this program before, parochialism can sometimes get in the way, but the Jackies are a great example of um, if you treat people well, the love will be reciprocated. Absolutely, and they just, they've done that from day one. Fan engagement and all the things mm. that the modern sports fan, and this parochialism is great because finally Tasmanians have got their own to, to cheer for. And I wonder, I just wonder, Alex Johnson, today do we get even the bigger announcement um, that the AFL was coming to town and what, what that means for the future of everything in this state. Everything will change forever if that's the case. It's a huge deal. Yeah, it is. Monster. Momentous. I'm nervous, to be honest. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Anna Pavs, our lady, in the news every Friday and every day right across our SEN networks. Let's go to Anna with the news. Now, I'm really intrigued by this Isaac Humphrey scenario, AJ, in the, you know, 2022 and what have you. Such a brave thing that he did yesterday. It's just... And people that don't understand that it's such a... It's a it's an impactful, monumental thing that he's done, really, in Australian sport because it doesn't happen and people haven't been able to do it in a, in a male-dominated world. It just hasn't been... Do you remember 10 or 15 years ago, Jason Ackermanis came out and said, if a Carlton or Collingwood player comes out and say they're gay, they're going to be stoned to death effectively by the crowd and... Yeah, and people's attitudes um, have been deplorable in the past and... Sport, elite sport has been the great outlier, I guess. Now, look, we start this conversation by saying you and I are two, well, I presume you're still a straight man. Mm -hmm. We're two straight men. Um, so we don't come from a place of um, uh, the understanding of some other people. But what I found so um, empowering from Isaac Humphreys is thinking about what would it be like if you were a person chasing your elite sport dreams mm -hmm. who um, 
thought that your sexuality was a problem or something that was going to um, hold you back. And it just his words were so moving the other day because he was so raw about how he felt initially. Yes. And it just makes you wonder why sport has been such an outlier. Obviously, attitudes towards sexuality and, and gender have, have evolved for the better and in other pursuits and politics and the arts and, and business. That's right. Um, openly, gay people uh, talk much more about these things. Openly. And sport has been the outlier. No and I hope it changes because... And then the people who say, oh, why does it matter... Well, in 50 years, it might That's not, right. but yeah, it does exactly. in this moment it because um, you need you need people who, um, yeah, just put their hand up. I'm sort of lost for words because um, he was, yeah, it was pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, it was emotional um, and great for the great for the team, and more importantly, great for him. He's he's now going to be able to move forward with his life with a completely different outlook, um, and I'm certain that the NBL community and the greater Australian sporting community in general will wrap their arms around. We're going to go to a break shortly. We've got plenty still to happen today. We've got Brent Costello coming oh, up to talk about... Not every the day big, you get to interview your heroes, is it? The big story. Uh, the big story in town today with the AFL announcement, of course. Uh, Jeremy Weberly coming up after 8 o'clock, the coach of the under-18s. We've, we've got two or three or four potential young draftees coming up. Can't wait to talk to him and left arm, what do you play, 90-odd games for Australia? Uh, left arm tweaker. Misley, wasn't Misley. it? Misley. Xavier Doherty coming up just a bit before the Hubbard State New. Da- David Lithgow and Alex Johnson with you, rolling through your morning on a gorgeous Friday morning in Hobart. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. Welcome back here to the MCG. In my word, it really has turned out to be a marvellous day for cricket indeed. Three to win from 20 balls. Milan up to the crease and bowls. And Smith does go up and over the top of mid-wicket. He finishes it with a six. Australia do it easy. They win by six wickets. With 20 balls to spare, and Stephen Smith, 80 not out at the end. Yeah, real kind of team performance as well. Everyone got involved with the win, so uh, yeah, really pleasing. We came in here really fresh, um, you know, after a week and keen to get back into it, and yeah, showed it today. You know, everyone, you know, Ash Agar's into the team for the first time in a little while. Trav Head, they they stepped up, and um, you know, a couple of spinners bowled in different positions to what they'd normally, and yeah, everyone just cracked on. It was great. So that was the one-day game last night, of course. England making four, uh, sorry, nine for 287 on the back of 134 by David Milan. And in reply, well, they cruised to victory, Australia. Four for 291 with about 21 balls to spare. Adam Collins before with a call mm. last night, the Adelaide Oval. He's Interesting. Busy, he's almost as busy as you, Colo. He's, Remind me he's to good. talk to you about his other little... Um, Yes, we, the Hawks we, later. we will we'll touch that, base we'll on to that, that later. actually. Good yep. point. Um, so that's on the back of the 2020 World Cup, of course. Um, Paddy Cummins said we were pretty fresh. Well, yeah, you were fresh because you've been watching the rest of the World Cup unfold for the last mm. two weeks. The transition from T20 back into a one-day game, was there a 
What did what what was the public thinking about that game last night? I found it a bit un I found it a bit unusual. Yeah, there used to be a time when a one day, especially against the old foe in England, it was sort of everything. The world revolved around it. You certainly set your calendar yes. around it. And I'll yes. I'll admit, until you brought that up, Flash. I didn't know there was a one-day last night. So I think they've got to work out how they position one-day cricket because it sort of gets lost mm, these days. Paddy Cummins. And especially a game like that, which would have been fantastic to watch. Yep. Yeah, England, the 220 champions, of course. And they had... How many did they have that rolled out last night that actually played? Um, there was a few, but it was wholesale changes across the board. Chris Jordan backed up and played. and But, yeah, interesting. It's real, like I find it the next year or two fascinating to see where we where things sit um, with cricket. T20, uh, 50 over cricket, and, and the evolution of both of them, those forms over the next few games. Because I feel like the T20 World Cup we've just had was A, awesome. B, I felt that it, it, it really... It got cricket back. Mm. Felt like cricket sort of returned a little bit, didn't it? Oh, yeah. It was... I was a sceptic years ago. I thought, well, the T20 World Cups, you know, I mean, just keep it at a domestic level. You know, we've got our 50-over World Cup, but I've changed that, I think. I think. Oh, me too. I remember as a very young and naive journalist, I had breakfast with James Sullivan once, and I told him I didn't think there was much of a future in T20. Yes. <laughs> so I think I was wrong then. Um I saw Andrew McDonald interview the other day about why Steve Smith didn't play in the World Cup, and his answer wasn't very convincing to me. And then he comes out and knocks eighty off seventy-eight balls. Well, Was that a mistake? Mm, yeah, look, it's it's a difficult one. I I, I think I think Steve mm, twenty. They're such different formats, aren't they? I'm not sure he's in my, but Aaron Finch was in my team either. So. You know they've they've got some they've got some big decisions to make. Pat Cummins, of course, now officially the ODI captain. He won't be the T Twenty captain though. No one knows who that's going to be as yet. That's a bit of a conundrum, I think. Um, Paddy Cummins also announced he's not going to the IPL this year, which I think is a fantastic decision because I couldn't believe he went to the IPL last year and Australia were playing, and he's in the Australian team. And he didn't play for Australia. I mean. If that was previous captains, we won't mention anybody's names. They would have been run out of town if they'd done that. So it's a busy schedule. Cricket over the next year or so, they've got a 1,000 test matches, heaps and heaps. The one-day World Cup coming up as well. Um, fascinating. You got St- you want Steve Smith in the T20 team, is that what you're saying? Oh, I just didn't think that the coach's explanation as to why they didn't no. play him was that. But I know it was sort of they were chasing their tail after that bad start. But And Hurricane alumni, Darwin Millard, 134 last night. Yes. So is he coming back to Hobart? No, probably not. No. No, okay. no but that'll come around reasonably quickly. That's the exciting t- too. Yep. Yeah, well, and, and what sort of energy the BBL derives from the World Cup yeah. is fascinating because I feel like... It has been a couple of years of a lull. Everyone thought that too many games, um, we've diluted the product. Yep. Tick tick tick. Too much cricket. Wonder what the wonder what the T Twenty, the big COVID bash, does help. this year. COVID didn't help. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I, finally, and I reckon the Hurricanes, they the men's team, the women's team, are going nicely. Well, they, they had nicely. a bit of wobble the other day. But anyway, um, <laughs> one on one in La Trobe. Yeah, that's right. Gee, that come up well on telly. The oh, Trove Oval, ever. stunning. Shout out to Jason Sims, the uh, curator, an yes. old uh, school friend of mine. Yes. Had a look at a picture. Absolute perfect. Yeah, it's a beautiful ground. Um, yes. Someone said to me yesterday, I won't mention names, that 
I was doing the cricket there over at Bill Reeve. Why is it West Park, you know? And well, well, the Trobe's better than West Park. <laughs> I thought. I remember as a kid playing footy at the Trobe. Beautiful ground. Oh, and I could see my old high school in the background. Oh, yeah, stunning. It conjured up some beautiful memories from behind the shelter sheds. Anyway, we'll go down that rabbit hole another time. Well, we're going to go to a break here, and Brent Costello's coming up after the break. The big scoop yesterday, speaking with Gil McLaughlin. I hope you're having a great morning. David Lithgow and Alex Johnson with you. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. Welcome back to Tassie. Thank you, mate. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Will you be willing to grant Tasmania an AFL licence without stadium funding being locked in? I think we've just been uh, uh, clear that, that we're, we're working with it and we're trying to land the whole package together and uh, we think the uh, stadium's an important piece. And so, um, um, you know, we've got lots to do, which is... Working with clubs, state government, uh, other parties around the, around the venue and all the other parts and hopefully we'll come together as one. Can we see a provisional licence granted when you speak to us tomorrow? Uh, I was going to have a... Well, you don't, you don't want me to run ahead of the story, but we're going to be just talking about where we're at. It's more of, a, of an update and why and where we're at and um, have a sort of chance to talk about the progress that's been made. Are you confident things are on track though and going well? I think they are. I think we're not there, but uh, we've come a long way and sort of lay that out and talk to talk to the big picture and I think how, how close we are and how far we've come. What else are you up to while you're in Tassie? Oh, in and out. I've got uh, dinner tonight with uh, the sign people at, uh, at Mona. Speak in the morning and back on the tools at home tomorrow afternoon, so it'll be a brief visit. That was Brent Costello yesterday with the big scoop talking to the, the boss of the AFL, Gil McLaughlin. My first uh, question is we welcome Brent to the, the program. Good morning to you, mate. Morning, Flash. How are you, boys? Nice to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Going well. Uh, were you implying they're just trying to get a little breakfast date with Gil there at the end, were you? Did you actually just get yourself into an eggs and bacon sort of set up at Mac 1 or something this morning? Wouldn't have minded, Flash. It would have been good to try and get some extra juice out of him, but uh, I'm not really sure what to take out of that. The, the, the line for me was, um, I don't want to get ahead of the story. Um, and I think we need something today, don't we? We... we we, I think we need a provisional announcement or something, but I don't know if we'll get it. Um, but I think the story needs to move forward somehow because um, is everyone getting a little bit impatient or is it just me? No, I think uh, you did right there. And um, great scoop yesterday, Brent, at the airport. I actually just sent Brent to the airport to get me some Krispy Kremes and he um, bumped into uh, Gil there. So a huge coincidence. <laughs> but... Um, uh, <laughs> I think you're right. I think he knows that he can't come to town and not say something or people will roll their eyes. What are you hearing? You've got your ear to the ground, Brent. Is it going to be a yes, but scenario today? I'm not sure if the word provisional will be used, AJ, but I reckon we'll get some sort of positive announcement, what what that is and whether it's big or small or or what it could be. um, We'll have to wait and see in a couple of hours' time, but... Um, as I said, you know, will he grant a provisional license without the funding for the stadium? I'm not sure. Does he want it all? I, I, I get the feeling that he wants it all locked in before he announces anything, to be honest. And that, that could take, as you know, being a former polls reporter, a long time, uh, you'd think, for that federal funding to come, come around. 
Well, they haven't even given the federal government a business case for the stadium. So, as I said to Flash earlier, it's just an idea at the moment. Um, there are some senior federal Labor people out today, so, of course, they'll be asked about whether they're going to throw in $375 million. But, yeah, I mean, the stadium is definitely part of the puzzle, and they'll probably want more than just the state government support for it. So, unless... It's changed completely, and Gill says, well, we'll work out the stadium later. Let's uh, plan ahead. But it's going to be fascinating. Um, it, he is down for something else, so it might not be a big dog and pony show about the AFL team, but he'll definitely have to say something, otherwise we'll be um, frustrated. I think we will. Yeah, exactly right. And then, you know, how long do we have to wait for this federal funding to be announced? If we don't get the provisional word, uh, I guess, today or in the next few months, uh, we, we might be waiting another, you know, God knows how long for, for a full licence to be granted. If they're talking 2027 for an entry, I'm not sure when we need the official tick or not, but you'd think it'd have to be sometime pretty soon. It's interesting, you, AJ, mentioned about the um, the federal Labor government. Um, are they going to tip in? And we saw Anthony Albanese... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, of course, sort of skirt around the issue when mm. you had a conversation with him, Brent, and I, I can't help but think that the, the state Labor Party's stance on all this has really conflicted what the national uh, or the federal Labor Party are saying. Um, just in your conversations, Brent, about the stadium, etc., it, it still it still seems to me that is absolutely a must that this happens and they do need to be very, very careful in terms of the Tassie um, side of things about how they roll this out and how they deal with this whole situation regarding the stadium. Absolutely, Flash, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a must-have now, isn't it? Basically, we know that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, interesting how Labor's sort of playing it because obviously it will be the federal um, Labor Party that will fund this if, if it goes ahead. So it could be a really awkward situation if that does go ahead and they've been so strongly against it here in, in Tasmania. So, um, yeah, that, that's going to be fascinating. And uh, I'm really actually looking forward to seeing how that does play out uh, if and when uh, they do come up with the funds of Fed. Unless there's a funding stream we're not thinking about, a private injection or even the AFL itself coming to the party, but it seems unlikely to me. It seems contingent on on federal funding. I don't think the, the state government can't put their hand in their pocket no. for any more. They're copying it enough for saying we'll put $375 million on the table. So This is probably going to sound ridiculous, and, and please bear with me, but okay. $750 million, it's a big sum of money, obviously. But in the scheme of the world, in the scheme of so many rich people that might have links to Tasmania, is it actually that much money does that make sense i'm all we're just really talking everything's relative well i mean it's not compared to how much we spend on other things i mean um the uh cost of the running a health system is enormous and i mean that's the big Huge. comparison why it are is. we spending this it money is. on health well yep. we spend billions every year on health so yeah compared to that it's not much money compared to uh you know putting a roof on a new uh town hall it is a lot of money so Ah, uh, yeah, look, the state government's got to sell it better. They've got to sell it as they more do. than a stadium. They've got to sell it as a, an economic driver. They're trying to, but there's a lot of opposition. Um, Brent, uh, what do you think? How's the state government gone at selling the stadium idea? Yeah, well, it's uh, not bad. It's $80 million of revenue, they reckon, into the state each year, each year the stadium will be there. So that's that's a pretty good start. I think that's what people forget as well, that um, what this will do um, by bringing other things back into Tasmania. Yes, it's a lot of money to be spent, but 
think of the tourism, the hospitality, everything that goes with it. It's an arts and entertainment precinct, as they keep saying. This is not just for footy. It's for concerts. It's for, for all sorts of different things. Cricket, uh, potentially some, some soccer if, uh, if, if they want to play the A-League games there if we get an A-League team. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of things um, that are positive about it. We hear, do hear a lot of the negative stuff too, don't we? What about just before we let you go, Brent? Have you heard anything more about the cricket side of things in terms of where cricket has sort of a, a, a sitting regarding this whole stadium? Yeah, they're playing it pretty cool, Flash. Uh, they, they've obviously want to be a part of it if it happens, but they haven't said too much about it and obviously what the future would mean for, for Blunston as well. That would be the, the interesting part too. Does that become more of a boutique ground for for Shield cricket and, and one-day domestic cricket and things like that. Um, yeah, so, so not, not really, to be honest, but uh, it's an interesting um, yeah, situation they find themselves in because that, that's the other thing. They'll need to be part of the new stadium for Big Bash and international cricket, obviously, so they'll have to, they'll have to be part of it, yes. Well, to follow all the news today, no. there's one person you need to be keeping an eye on, that's Brent Costello, and we're going to watch what happens today with you and your mate Gil, Brent, mm-hmm. to see if uh, they can make some inroads or some steps to what would be a huge, huge day for Tasmanian sport and sporting life in general. Brent, thanks for joining us this morning. Good man. Before I let you go, Flash, there's no bigger fan of your work than me, but I need to pull you up on something if you don't mind. I'm happy with that, please. The man sitting next to you, his name is Alex Johnston with a T. I've I've been meaning to text about this for weeks. I've been dropping hints. I bring him I bring him from banjos every time I'm on Cup a tea, tea and he hasn't got the hint for weeks now. So I thank you, Brent. I don't think I've any I've I don't think I've ever separated Johnson Johnston in my entire life, but Brent, I really respect you pulling me up on that good man. Brent, you're a, you're a scholar and a gentleman and congratulations on your twenty year anniversary at Win T V. Uh, you're a marvel. Thank you, boss. That's very kind of you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, boys. And now time for the news. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. Welcome to the second out with David Lithgow and Alex Johnston for Amy, the doers <laughs> of insurance and Harrison agents, Tasmanian real estate experts. We're live on the SEN Tassie across Tasmania and the SEN app here in the palatial part of uh, Salamanca, right up in the loft here at Harrison Agents. The sun is just creeping through the windows here. It's a beautiful morning. It is, and thank you, Flash. I'm not precious about that, but no. um, Brent had raised it earlier and said... Fair, uh, fair point. No, that's fine. Absolutely. Um, and I noticed the name change too, the uh, the show, just Flash. My uh, stepson's favourite uh, TV show is The Flash. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see whether he makes the transition to this show. Gordon's alive. (laughs) Next man was a bit of a flash off halfback. Indeed he was. uh, In his playing days. Good morning to Jeremy Weberly, the coach of the Tassie under-18s and the man in charge of a terrific bunch of young men that were very, very stiff not to play in a grand final this year. Firstly, Jeremy, good morning to you, mate. It's um, we let's reflect on that prelim just briefly. Um, I felt like you put should have been in the grand final the following week. Well, thanks for having me. First, and uh, the flash is uh, very much a long period of time ago. I don't think that's uh, ever going to be seen ever again. Um, and probably wasn't seen the last five years of my career. But I'll take the pump up at the start. Um, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was shattering, to be honest. I've said to many people that um, 
you know, yeah, extremely disappointing. It was one of the, um, you know, in the, the scenes in the rooms afterwards was one of the most emotional things I've ever been involved in. So um, you could see the investment that, that the boys had on their face and um, the disappointment. But um, they should be incredibly, incredibly proud of what they, of what they delivered over the. Over the course of the season in NAB League, they were um, nothing short of outstanding. And um, as I said, on many occasions, did Tasmania proud, that's for sure. What was the tonic to the season for the for the young guys in terms of that team, that camaraderie, the whole thing? I mean, as uh, you started picking up wins during the, the year and momentum was building. And, of course, some of the teams have a lot of players come in and out, the private school kids, et cetera, et cetera. And... I think some of the narratives, people kept saying to me, oh, yeah, no, they're going well, but wait till they get to the finals because they're going to get all these players back. They're going to get all these players back. Well, finals came and you acquitted yourself extremely well, and it was on the back of what in particular that made this group such a sustainable and, and tight-knit bunch of young men? Oh, yeah, I think you just said it then, look, tight-knit. That was, that was the key to our um, success, no doubt. Look, we felt... Um you know, we often discussed as a playing group that, you know, hey, we might not have um, the talent of some of the other regions within the NAB League, but um, we're going to be the best team, essentially, um, and we're going to defend the best. And that was, um, you know, everyone's trying to um, create that, um, create that environment where everyone wants to play for the person next to them. Next to them. And that was something that um, we were able to get right this year. And it was, um, you know, it's great to take... You know, for the coaches to take all the kudos, but the reality is that it's the players that uh, really drove that. And they were the ones that connected with each other and um, spent the time and had the conversations. And um, you know, they're the one, they're the ones that go out for two hours on a Saturday or Sunday and, um, and put that on show. So, yeah, I just think that um, that was one of the things we really wanted to focus on at the start of the program was obviously training in three regions. We don't get together much. Um, limited opportunity to get together but one of our main focuses was connecting as a group um understanding i reckon flash about um you know what it what it means to wear the map and what are some of the characteristics around um wearing the map and i think that's something that we linked into heavily throughout the course of the year and no doubt sort of promoting what it is to be a tasmanian to the younger generation coming through i think they really brought into that and um, you know, it's a little bit of like the underdog story, and I think everyone can connect to that. It's a, it's a great motivation piece, and um, as I said before, like the boys um, jumped on some of those things. Um, it was really important, I think, with Tasmania's got such a proud history that um, sometimes it can be a little bit daunting to live up to um, that history. So it was also, yeah, with, these are the characteristics of of the Tasmanian jumper and what's come before us. So we wanted to create our own characteristics. But um, to be honest, essentially, um, what you saw from Tassie this year was very similar to what we've seen, um, you know, over the course of the last 30 years. So, yeah, that were probably some of the things, like just buying into the jumper and understanding what it is to be a Tasmanian and the characteristics about um, playing for Tassie and what we're known for. Um, and then just getting to them to connect together as a group. Um you know, it doesn't really matter what game plan you have. We need to we need to buy into it and work for the person next to us, and they're able to do that outstandingly well with some really good leadership. Jeremy, I'm interested in your insight and the and the challenges that you grapple with coaching elite young players at this stage of their lives. Obviously, there's so many competing things going on. Some people who are striving for higher honours, you're trying to get a team to gel, and then it's all in the background of uh, uh, kids at 16, 17. Uh, who are obviously going through enormous changes away from football as well. How have you found that going from being a, a senior coach back to this underage level? 
Yeah, it's tough. Oh, there's just, just so many competing. Um, like you, you've got competing sports. Um, obviously, we we don't want to we want to encourage all our all our players to play as many sports as you can. But then you've got you know family and um, schooling and a lot of them <laughs> starting part time jobs and all those types of things. Mm. And then um, if we think about the northwest coast, um, but then we also think about the rest of the state. Like they're travelling in and out of the state every second week and. Um, you know, we can say that we've got a 50, fl- 50 split with home games, but then we've got the travel, you know, if we're playing up in Penguin or Launceston. So it is a, it is an extremely big commitment um, to do this program. There's no doubting that. Um, but I think, I think, and we, we often talk about it, or especially the inductions that we're going through at the moment, is about just prioritising um, what's right. Um, and I think, you know, family, schooling, um, part-time job or an apprenticeship, all those types of things, they come before footy. Um, and understanding that um, there's a lot going on within the players' life. So giving them some flexibility when they need. Like, we still understand that the work needs to be done, but it's just about managing all those situations. Um, and then essentially, um, for us, we know that a happy athlete that... Um, you know, hasn't been overworked, is going to play well and perform well. So, um, yeah, it's just about managing the situations at hand, which, um, you know, there's there's many children with multiple sports um, and schooling exams and those types of things. So it's just the management of that, making sure that we know exactly what we need to prioritise at that time. No doubt about that. Um, there's a young boy called Jack Callan, and we can talk about multiple sports and talents and future things and options and things that can happen in the future when you're... You're good at a couple of different things. Okay, let's let's get some real talk here now, mate. We're 10 days away from the draft. Now, we yep. think, we know that Lockie Cowan will get picked up. Uh, we probably think that Tommy McCallum will get picked up. I want you to be, uh, I want you to be a, uh, what's the word, look into your crystal ball. Give me a number firstly for Lockie Cowan. Where's he going to go? Yeah, I think, um, well, Lockie's had, as everyone knows, he's had a pretty outstanding year. Um, look, I think he'll fall between anywhere between sort of 15 and 25. Yep. Um, that sort of seems to be um, the number. Um, you he's know, got obviously, draft not can happen, but I think that's where he'll land. Um, Tommy McCullum, um, again, has had another outstanding year. He had a, an, um, an awesome Allies campaign as well, so a championships campaign through the middle of the year, which was really enhanced. Um, his credentials and chances. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think those two um, are a really good chance and Lockie's probably been um, a lock for a period of time now. And what about, on the, apart from those two guys, as a rookie draft as well, we'll go Monday into Tuesday next week. Uh, sorry, the following week, I should say, Monday week. Um, what, else are you, what else are you seeing uh, as potential for some of this, this good crop of senior under-18 from this year? Yeah, I think like Seth Campbell from the Northwest Coast. Obviously, um, you probably would have seen when he kicked ten goals at North Hobart Amazing. down here in the TSL. Like he, um, again, like he's had another outstanding year. Um, um, he also played through the Allies Championships as well. So we think that he and he's got multiple interests from a number of clubs. So um, yeah, I think he's I think he's in the frame as well. Um, do I think he's going to be as high as, as Lockie and Tom? Potentially not, but I think there's a lot of interest in Seth. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, potentially two out of the northwest coast, which would be a fantastic yeah. result. Hasn't yes. happened for a period of time. Um, and then our probably our other two are um, Cameron Owen, who's a, a ruck from Clarence, um, who's had a bit of an um, start of the year, had a bit of um, a back complaint due to some growing, uh, but he, he really finished off the year well. Had an awesome um, finals campaign. Um, dominated the 
the prelim final to nearly get us over the line. So he sort of really came into calculations late. So that's an exciting prospect. Um, he's a t- um, 203 centimetre ruckman, so there's some interest in in Cam, but I'd say it's probably a little bit more, you know, late draft um, rookie selection. And then there's the goal kicking machine, Brandon Leary from um, North Launceston, which would be a great um, great NAB League story, but it'd be also be a great TSL story as well. Someone that's um, um, come in in his 19th year, done a lot of development at North Launceston, and um, you know he kicks goals wherever he goes. He kicked goals last year at North Lonnie and set the TSL alive then he's, he's kicked goals with the, the Tassie Devils and then he, he was lucky enough to get two or three games within the Allies and average two goals a game so um, yeah he's got some interest as well so I think those five are probably our top five um, and I think as we discussed um, McCullum and Cowan are, are looking likely um, and then I think Seth Cam and, and Brandon the three that are next in line. Well, congratulations on what was a stellar year, mate. Well done to you. I know there's some really good underage talent too that will get to run around again next year. Plus, my understanding is the under-16s are are pretty good. So lots to look forward to. And I would imagine you'll be uh, one ear to the ground today with Gil McLaughlin in town to see what happens on that front. Jeremy, it would be a great little boon for all boys and girls, wouldn't it, to have have our own team down the road to aspire to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I'm like all Tasmanians. I'm anticipating an announcement um, pending that today or, or a later date. It's it's very exciting for Tassie footy. I think it's got us all talking. It's got the whole nation talking. So um, yeah, it'd be awesome um, to see one day an AFL jumper um, with a Tasmanian logo running out. That'd be um, something that I re- all reckon that we'd go along and support and we'd we'd get right involved in. And it's um, yeah, I think it's something that we're all passionate about and can't wait to see. So, very exciting time, um, and hopefully it's not too far around the corner. Jeremy Webberley, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good man. No worries. Cheers, guys. Thank you. We'll go to a quick break and come back and talk some crickets with former Australian oh, Tasmanian X- legend, the X-Man. Xavier Doughty coming up with David Lithgow and Alex Johnston. On SEN Tassie, Flash with David Lithgow. Great to have you company wherever you're listening around our fabulous little island state called Tasmania. What a beautiful morning it is in Hobart. Trust the rest of the state is as good as it is down here. We've had a torrid spring, Alex Johnson. In fact, it's been downright bloody awful, to be quite frank with you. (laughs) Torrential golf courses yep. underwater, club championships called off left, right, and centre. It's been uh, finally today some sun breaking through, and maybe it's a, not a coincidence that it's the Gillan McLaughlin's in town, and yes, he's going to bring some sunny news to footy fans. But uh, we're going to talk cricket next, aren't we, uh, Flashman? We do. Speaking of sunny news, all the way from Georgetown via. Launceston Creek Club via South Hobart Sandy Bay. Now resident in South in Sandy Bay. Don't give himself. away his address. <laughs> no, I won't. Good morning to former Australian one day champ. Am I allowed to say champion? Too far, Flash. Good morning, Xavier Doherty. Good morning, gentlemen. Very generous introduction, Flash. Thank you. How's things? We've uh, spent a bit of time together. You and I uh, called the game on Ko Fox yesterday, Tassie versus New South Wales, um, nothing more than uh, an absolute old-fashioned cow-licking. They were smacked, <laughs> weren't they, Tassie, yesterday? Careful. Very disappointing. Care- careful yep. how you describe it. It, was, it was pretty disappointing, I must admit. Um, 
It had all the makings of, of a really good contest. Two very good teams on paper. Tassie coming in, having won a few games early in the season and on the back of a couple of losses, I was expecting a bit of a rebound, but they were put to the sword by a couple of quality New South Wales batsmen and then when it was their turn, just didn't fire. So it was, it was pretty disappointing, I must say. Was it uh, one with the bat for New South Wales? Was 300 a total that they were never going to chase down X or... Uh, could have we given it a better shake if we applied ourselves a bit better at the top of the order? Oh, look, it was after being sent in, Tassie won the toss and sent New South Wales in, just not knowing what that wicket was going to serve up after the, the weather we had early in the week. Um, New South Wales were none for 207, I think, at one stage, which at that stage, 32 overs in, looked like it was going to be something around the 350 mark, which would have made it very difficult, obviously, but it was a very good wicket. Um, but Tassie, the Tassie bowlers towards the back end dragged it back amazingly, really, to keep they them did. to around 300 was a remarkable effort. So, And from my perspective, sitting up in the commentary box was looked a very reasonable chase on a, on a good wicket and a fast outfield and a very short boundary to the, to the hill. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a pretty disappointing effort with the bat. Um, like I mentioned, it was, there was some quality cricket played by Hughes and and Patterson at the top for New South Wales. But after that, not a single batsman in the game really got firing at all. It was interesting, AJ. We actually, doing the game yesterday, and we actually thought maybe 300 was about par, but they, they perhaps looked like they were going to score 330, 40 or 50 or something. They did put the brakes on them, and the chase looked very much within the realms. Of course, the, the Shield game was affected by the weather as well. Um, Tassie very much so on top of that game. What about last night, X? Did you did you flow back into one-day international mode and watch Australia versus England? Uh, look, Flash, I'm not sure what your arrangement is at home, but after sitting at the cricket for the best part of eight hours, <laughs> wandering home and chucking the cricket on the TV wasn't going to get past no. the lawmakers. So I, I tracked a bit of the game on my phone and briefly saw a little bit of Warner and Head go about their business, but um, it was obviously a, a pretty impressive display by the Australians, but um, yeah, didn't didn't manage to catch a lot of it after the volume of cricket I'd consumed during the day. A bit of a funny one, isn't it, with the World Cup? We were talking about it a little earlier on, Alex and myself, about the T20 World Cup just finishing, the excitement and the buzz we all derived from that was, and then bang into a one day or against the old an- enemy, it sort of felt yeah. a bit... Um, a bit forced or a bit... Yeah, what was your thoughts? It is. Well, I think this is a bit of the age-old problem for cricket. A lot of these series and, you know, they just try and squeeze some games in because I think there are laws and rules in around the fixture that you've got to play a certain amount of teams within a certain space of seasons and, you know, you've got to reciprocate your home and away games. So it just means that we end up with, um, after having such a fantastic... Well, I thought such a fantastic T20 World Cup despite Australia not making it through to the, the knockout stage. It was a really impressive tournament and, and captured a lot of eyes. We then, you know, three days later, roll into a series that, to be fair, not many people knew about. And even once they did, didn't take a lot of interest in anyway. So I think it's just one of those things that we seem to have every year. You know, you just find yourself asking, why, why are they playing this? Um, you know, we've got a test series against the West Indies, which will have its own sort of... Um, build-up issues, I'd imagine, you know, with the West Indies not exactly firing. You know, why, you know, some of the 
the rule makers and the schedule makers have got to ask themselves what, what's the good thing for cricket here and I'm not so sure squeezing in a a meaningless well meaningless is probably a little bit harsh but you know I'm sure the players and there's some fans out there that, that appreciate it but it sort of demeans the the status of international cricket when, when you just squeeze games in like they're doing mm. X-Man I'd like you to get out your crystal ball for me please because we've been so spoiled over the years as Tasmanian cricket fans getting to watch some homegrown uh, talent play for Australia. Obviously, yourself, uh, George, and uh, Hilfie, who's the best 11 handicapper in the world at the moment. Um, <laughs> who are the Tasmanians that you expect to see playing for Australia in the next five to ten years based on uh, what you've been seeing recently? Well, I think, yeah, like you say, Tassie have been pretty good over such a long period of time of uh, producing some some locally grown internationals. Um, I feel we've got a couple there. Riley Meredith has obviously had a, a little bit of a taste of it. He, you know, he's had his injury issues and he's, the nature of fast bowling is, you know, the opportunities will probably will, will present themselves again for Riley. Just, he's just going to make sure he's in the right place at the right time. I've got a, I've got a soft spot for Jared Freeman. I think he's a, he's a very good cricketer. You know, he's again had some injury issues and, just finding a spot in that four-day team, but I think he's done a very good job um, and very capable with the bat, as we've seen in the past few Shield games. Um, Caleb Jewell's another player who initially made his way in the shorter forms of cricket, and you know, starting to establish him, yeah, starting to establish himself in in the longer in the longer forms. But I think I think we've just got, you know, hopefully Australian cricket gets back to a case where I think with George as, as chief selector will. Try and you know patrol this. That you know we've got to allow players to to really churn out a, a, a domestic career and, and really build up the confidence and, and bang the door down, um, which some of those players I mentioned have started to do. But guys like Daniel Hughes, excuse me, for New South Wales has been doing it for ten years and, and still hasn't got his opportunity. He's someone that you know I, I'd like to see for Australian cricket. He's done his apprenticeship and he's he is banging down the door. So I'd like to get some of those Tasmanian players in a position where. You know, it's not just a hunch. You know, I think this kid might be good enough. Let's let's make him really earn his spot. And I think that served cricket, Australia, uh, you know, Australian cricket so well for such a long time. So mm. hopefully, that's the, the mantra that George is going to run by. Well, I've got a bone to pick with George or the Prime Minister because they didn't pick any Tasmanians in the Prime Minister's eleven team. It was a disgrace. So I'm going to take that up with Albo next time I see him. You've got to squeeze right, it. Okay. If you're, I think that might be punishing. Uh, Tasmanians for not electing more Labor candidates down here, but um, anyway, I'll I'll bring that up with the Prime Minister or the real boss of Australia, George Bailey, when I see either of them next. Xavier uh, yeah, Doherty, of course. Is, yep. Xavier's yep. going to be with us and part of our team for the SEN Big Bash team coming up in a few weeks' time. That'll be that's not far away. The BBL, what three weeks? Jeepers, we're going to be. All full steam and cricket, cricket. It's been interesting to see X before I let you go. The BBL this year, it does it sort of does it spike a little bit? You know, we've had a couple sort of quieter years. People haven't been happy with how many games have been played, etc. Was this World Cup be the boon that maybe the all that you know that the BBL could use? I I think it will be, and you know, I think mm, it's been too. spoken about a lot. But the, the you know the the COVID. Years certainly had a, a bit of an issue on um, the scheduling and cramming games in, and you know, having neutral games and that sort of thing, which which certainly affects um, having crowds come along and 
you know, the scheduling, you know, last-minute scheduling and stuff. Obviously, has an issue with being able to track the, the competition, but I certainly think that this year, again, as I mentioned before, with a series against the West Indies, which, you know, Test Series always are well-followed here in Australia, given how the West Indies are probably travelling, you know, you may not quite get the, the same amount of following in that Test Series as you would in England or in India, so maybe people might switch a little easier their eyes across to the BBL, which um, would certainly be a good thing for the BBL. Uh, and I also think here in Hobart, I've told, you know, Punner has done a magnificent job in putting that team together. And mm. um, I'm tipping, you know, if you look down that batting order in particular, they've got a team that can, on their day, match it with anyone. So I certainly expect Hobart to be in and around the mark at the, the business end of the season. Xavier Doherty, thanks so much for joining us. Very kind of you, young man. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Take care. And time now to go to Anapav for the news. We're back. Xavier Doherty, he was a very... You want to talk about getting the most out of his career? Didn't that young man do it? You know, he only started bowling off his, don't you, when he was 16 and a half. He was a quick bowl, wasn't he? As a he youngster. Did. Yep, there's a backstory to that, but I'll save it for another day. I was just going to say, I mean, Brent pulled you up on leaving the tea out of my name. But I'm still laughing more than 10 years later about the day Brendan Julian called ex Zovia Davity. <laughs> Zovia Davity. And I, it's always <laughs> stuck with me that. It's beautiful. But he, no, underrated. And um, yeah. obviously his um, time playing test cricket wasn't as. Uh, no, he three tests, but successful I will, as he I will like, say this is that he played on the two flattest pitches that that Australian Test cricket has ever seen. If only the never Midland forget, Highway was that flat. Never forget in that first one at Brisbane, Graham Swan, who was the, probably the best off spin in the country, went for a thousand runs as mm. well. He, he didn't get runs even. Of course, they went back to Adelaide Oval and England made six hundred. Peterson made. You're saying he was thrown to the wolves? A little bit, a little bit. Um, but he got his taste of test. He was probably never a test cricketer. I think he'd tell you that himself. He was probably never had that skill set to be a regular test cricketer, but a mighty fine um, and played in the Shield final with Tassie. Had his best year that year too. Mm. Mighty fine one day bowler in particular. That's what I always remember him as. Excellent T20 cricketer for sure, but he was a terrific exponent of just bowling his 10 overs. Mm. You know? I think we'll look back on that era of that Tassie team. We probably took it for granted in the moment, but that special, you know, the names I mentioned, oh. George and Hilf and oh, Bailey and, and Butterworth and Jeeves. Oh, you know, Jeeves. it's um, on and on and on. Yeah, in 50 years' time, those those teams are going to look pretty good on. Just before we go to a break, tell me about that young kid that won the champs at Tassie Golf Club last weekend. This is a heartwarming story. So his name is Eli Monaghan. He's uh, just turned 16, I'm pretty sure. Right. Where's he go to school? Uh, don't know, but his sure. uh, father's um, Eric, Glenorchy Cricket uh, Club yes. legend. Right? Yes. And um, it was a club championships at Tassie, and there's some pretty good golfers at Tassie. Oh, you know, yeah. A lot of guys off scratch are better. And Eli prevailed in the pouring rain on Sunday... It went to a three-hole playoff where he was one under for the three holes against Andrew Phillips, who's a super-duper golfer. He um, plays off plus three. He's won 11 club championships before, represented Tasmania probably uh, 20 times. And it was all square after the three holes, so they're now at sudden death. Tenth hole at Tassie, pouring with rain, long par four, 
And Eli hits a drive and an eight iron to six feet and rolls in the putt for birdie. Wow. And wins his first club championship. And remember the, remember name. the name because he is a sweet young kid who's got a big golfing future ahead of him. That's fantastic. Well, I'm jotted him down. We're going to keep an eye on him. Let's go to the news. Still plenty to talk about. Hots or not coming up shortly. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. It's hot. Real hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. That's hot. This is hot. It's so damn hot. Nah. Well, it is hot. Or not. And today is a prime example of that. Gil McLaughlin in town. What's he going to tell us all? Can't wait to see what happens today. It's a big, big day, Alex. Tasmanian sporting history. Hot or not? How about you kick us off here, young man? I want to kick it off right there. If today is the day okay. that the words Tasmania is going to get an AFL team come we've out done of. Yes. We've done it. Will it go down as one of the great days in Tasmanian sporting history, hot or not? Oh, my goodness. This is hot, sun hot, Real hot Mars. It's just... And it's been a it's been a grind for four decades. Halle the, Berry the Robert, and Swordfish hot, you reckon? Yep. Oh, yes, I think so. The Robert Shaws of the world have been trying to do this since the eighties, and it hasn't happened. Is is this? It could be absolutely monumental. It is. It's massive, isn't it? Culture, life, everything changes. We love footy, and um, I mean, as Jeremy Webberley said before, it, it's not as important as other things. But God, it's, it would be a beautiful, Ooh. beautiful thing to. Be able to. Where you sitting tonight? The pies are in town, AJ. Oh, what are you doing? That, Beautiful. Yeah. What time do we going to go down to the pub first? Yeah, brilliant. Oh. Well, I'll see you down there. I'll meet you down at the new little bar underneath the stadium. What's it called? Breno's or something. <laughs> I mean, he probably have the. Yeah. But it, but it, it's a wonderful. <laughs> serve hot chocolates. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful thought, isn't it? Ah, uh, I can't. I'm, I haven't let myself. I have get excited like that because yeah. I don't want to set myself up for disappointment, but. I mean, we love the Jackies, and going oh, along, going along there is like do. you have the golden ticket, you know. Yeah, it is. But an AFL game on a Friday night in Tassie, boy. Oh, I mean, I went to that final, <laughs> the Bombers and the Dogs. I went to that final, the Bombers and the Dogs at uh, York Park, and that was pretty special was until Essendon stopped playing after half time. But yes. uh, if it's our own team, everyone's on board. Boys and girls, they're all coming down with their streamers and their flags and their Tassie tight or Tassie Devil. Whatever it's going to be, amazing thought process. Let's hope today is a good day. Paddy Cummings, hot or not, Paddy Cummings opting out of the IPL was the right thing to do. You've taken a T from my name and added a G to his. I have. Uh, I know who you're talking about, though. Very much the right thing yes. to do. He's got a little bit of an image uh, conundrum on his hands, he obviously, does. speaking out about... Uh, politics in the world well, around us. Well, so. just the backstory, of course, last year he opted in to play in the IPL. Mm. Why Australia was playing international games, maybe in Abu Dhabi yeah. or... Well, yeah. In fact, was it... can't remember. Yeah. you got to dance with the one who brung you. And, uh, yes, putting Australia first uh, sounds like a bad political slogan, but in terms of the, the skipper, it's a good move. Flash. The World Cup... 2020 World Cup, which you were a massive part of down here, has given cricket the shot in the arm it needed. Hot or not? Hot, hot, hot. It does. 
it feels that it's all, everything's um, rosier. Cricket's had a boon. It's it's terrific, and it will be interesting. We talk with Xavier Doherty about the the impact on the BBL and whether that flows off into that, or is it the other way? There's too much cricket, etc. But yeah, it was a fabulous tournament. It really was, wasn't it? And to have all that we you know had a big part of it down here with the the pre-tournament, the final bits of qualifying, seeing all the the smaller nations. Mm. That, that's what it's all about. I'm going to ask you this one. This is a fascinating one. Hot or not, the potential Live Golf tournament in Adelaide will be the greatest golf tournament ever seen in Australia. Hot or not? Well, I'm going to say not because we've had some classics. Yes. We've had President's Cups at Royal Melbourne. We had Tiger playing out here in the Australian Open. It is absolute prime. Jack Nicklaus and Norton, they went head-to-head in Australian Opens back in the day, didn't they? But it's not potential anymore. It's happening in Adelaide, Grange Golf Club, and it is exciting. Put put aside the politics of live and the Saudi money and all that, we get to see Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Poulter, Westwood. It'll be a hot ticket. And uh, as a golf lover, I'll be there. Don't you worry about that. Mm. It is interesting. So not, it but still hot, if that makes sense. Is Greg Norman, will he, will he be in the job then? A few of them want to get rid of him. Rory McIlroy asked him to nick off, didn't he? Yeah, I think the Shark, will. he can't help it. He'll still be around. He might change his role, but good luck getting rid of uh, Greggy. Oh, he disappoints me. My hero as a kid, as you know. Oh, still he's, we, he's an still absolute, love him. Do we? Okay, okay, give me this one. Will the Joker get booed when he steps out on court? Now, I've got some audio here just quickly of Novak Djokovic. Just before we get to my answer here, let's roll the tape. You know, last year, obviously, left left a bitter taste in, 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 you know, with me and, you know, my family and everybody. But uh, I'm very happy and want to thank the Australian government for... Removing the ban and allowing me, granting me the visa to, to enter Australia. No, I think that's a not. No, he won't get nah. it. I mean, why, why are we going to boo him? I mean, I, like, sure he was an anti-vax person, which is fine, and I'm not condoning that part of it. There's many stars of sport around the world, Aaron Rodgers at the Green Bay Packers, Kyrie Irving, big names in world sport that said no, but well, he's the greatest um, he's the greatest Australian Open um, winner of all time. He's a he's a champion. Look, a lot of people don't like him. That's fine. I don't think he's hated as much as he was, or is he? Oh, he's a bit of a villain. But yeah. I think, I mean, if there's one thing we all should move on from, it's the politics of COVID. So let's hope he doesn't get booed for that reason. If he gets booed because he's a bit of a villain and a bit, of, you know, yeah. he's not the most likable compared to Roger or sure. Raf. He's not that likable, but. What a player. What a player. No, if he gets booed for silly reasons like that, we can just move on. Talking about the politics of COVID, very 2020. Yes. <laughs> this is an interesting one. I've just thrown this one in here. Okay. With the new, hot or not, with the new golf course coming at Seven Mile oh. Beach, which oh. is absolutely amazing, by the way. On Two the back, in the pipeline, actually. On but... the back of Barn Boogle, Lost Farm, King Island, all of that stuff. The jack jumpers are flying. Oh, right, yeah. It was a multifaceted one. Okay, yeah, I've got my eyes closed. Yep. The AFL are about to be granted a license to the Apple Isle, the Holiday Isle. Is Tasmania fast becoming the sporting capital of the world, Alex Johnson? Hot or not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure anyone listening in Melbourne... What are these clowns up to? Roll their eyes. Uh, it's, it, well, clearly not. it's a not. 
But it's a however, knot, but I tell you what, it's nah. a long. It's it would, it's a long way, from where we were twenty years ago. I mean, I'm so biased towards golf, but that course is going to be spectacular. People will come from every corner of the world to they play will. golf here now. They um, will. Yeah, throw in those other things. I mean, uh, hot and wet, but it ain't no good if you're in the jungle. Oh. Life is for living. I mean, I said it this week when we celebrated Brent's 20 years. We don't stop and uh, celebrate the good things nearly enough. And you've just touched on we have a lot to look forward to. We do indeed. Absolutely. We've got a few more questions. We're going to run out of time. Hot or not for another week done and dusted. The sporting capital of the world. Sounds pretty good to me. David Lithgow and Alex Johnson winding through to 9am this morning. Thanks for joining us. On SEN Tassie, Flash, with David Lithgow. We're here, of course, for Kia Tassie, movement that inspires Kia Sportage, the drive car of the year, Hobart Kia, movement that inspires. Time for the Harrison Agents segment. Harrison Agents, Tasmanian real estate expert. Selling your home? Contact Harrison Agents today. Alex, now we've got one at either end of the state. The first one, 64 Rousebourne Road in Riverside. Tell us about it. Well, yes. <laughs> you do say Rousebourne. Well, I, I was th- thinking Rosephorn. I think it is too. Like uh, Peter Rosephorn, but it's spelled <laughs> R-O-W-S-P-H-O-R-N. Fans of Bretty. Just remember Bretty and you'll remember that. 64 Rosephorn. Now, we're looking at offers over 1.65, so we're not, uh, we're not mucking around. But for, the, for your buck, you get five beds, three baths, six spaces for your cars. So that's pretty good. Yep. Room for Cujo to run around. And it's situated on just under two acres of land, featuring fabulous views of the Tamar, which is obviously one of the premier wine regions in the world these days. This grand red brick residence has many gorgeous spaces, spaces that are guaranteed to delight Main features include those two double, double garages we just spoke about. Perhaps create them, create a studio, large working from home, etc., etc. Five bedrooms, three bathrooms, a sauna. Yep. Talk about hot or not, a sauna. You can't get any hotter. Additional level block that could easily cater for a 120 metre square residence. If you want to extend, Con- next one. Or contact Tom Harrison, Jesse Denham for that. Next one, 14 Pegasus Drive. Dromedary, Pegasus, remember, one of the houses... At Hashtag the pro- Peach, this property, by Ooh, the way. Who loves this. Yes. 1.195 offers there over. Four bed, three bath, remarkable, ten cars. You could, I'm not sure who has ten cars, but anyway. Uh, a lot of room for cars. Enjoy breathtaking river and mountain views from its elevated position. This stunning dual-living family home is an entertainer's dream because it's set on 5.77 acres of land... It's only 30 minutes from Hobart's CBD, right here where we are today. Now, main features of this home at Dromedary include a large living area with a wood heater. Oh, imagine the wind nights with the wood heater flowing. A second living room. It's all there. It's all there. Yep. And you can contact you about it. No, you can contact the great Harry Bryant about that property. And, of course, it will open home tonight and on Saturday. AJ. How'd I do? Excellent. You always do do well. Thank you very great much. You. Let's hope topics. today... Is one to remember. Today's the day. Gill's in town. It's all going to happen. We're very excited. Is this the day that we find out Tasmania is getting its own AFL team?
I think so. You think so as well, don't you? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Oh, can the footy gods smile on Hobart today? Let's hope so, mate. Coming up now is Julian DeStoop. Catch you later same on. Same bat time, same bat channel.